Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 177. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Welcome back, ladies. I'm so excited. We are having a great streak in releasing episodes on time. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. This is, again, episode 177, and we're just going to go right into it. So I got some juicy chisme de la semana. Turns out Godhood Comics has been picked up a diamond distribution, and you will be able to order your uh favorite godhood comics title mine being the antagonist at your local lcs local comic book shop um they're gonna be on the catalog in may 2023 so it's recently recent news so they may not be uh up updated on the website yet but please keep trying you should call your local lcs and make sure that you put this on your um pull list um how does that work, uh, Jen, being on someone's pull list at the local LCS for a title? So usually you would go to your um, uh, LCS and ask them, like, oh, like, um, uh, most of them do do pulls. I mean, there might be some weird ones that don't do it. Um, um, but, yeah, most of them uh, ask them, like, uh, can I be on your pull list? And they'll usually, like, sign you up either, like, have you sign, like, or, like, have you fill out a paper or do it online? And, um, uh, and then... You just list the titles that you want, um, um, and they will call you. If the book is a monthly, they'll call you, um, uh, and if it's only, like, a few, um, um, they'll call you, like, once a month to, like, tell you that your book is here, or if you already know when it's going to be coming out, you can just go to your LCS, and um, uh, they'll have it set aside for you. That is awesome. Um, so, yes, just make sure you call and have them order this title because it's going to be very new in May of 2023 um, in order for you to, like, pick up the story of the antagonist by Godhood Comics. And we are here just celebrating them because it's a really great title. We really enjoyed that comic book. And if you're interested in the team behind the creation of the antagonist, be sure to check out our YouTube channel we have in a... Um, an interview with Tyler Martin, uh, the creator behind the antagonist and Godhood comics. It's so, it was so much fun and you will love it. I guarantee you. So that is my chisme de la semana. All right, guys, now it's time for On My Radar. What is on your radar, Kristen? I forgot I was doing this, even though I just told you I had something. <laughs> <laughs> so, On My Radar this week is a book that um, was uh, very, for, by me, very highly anticipated because I was like, oh, my God, this is kind of interesting. It is a book called The Exiled, and it is uh, written by, and I use that term loosely, uh, Wesley Snipes. Yes, that's right. Wow. What? Wesley Snipes of Blade fame. Um, he is um, presenting his original series, The Exiled, which he describes as a genre-bending sci-fi noir described as seven 
meets Blade Runner. So um, it came out this week, and there were so many variants for it. The, he, there was an actual Blade Runner variant. I've never seen Blade Runner, so I was I, oh I told God. Eddie I didn't, <laughs> because there was also a Blade variant. The Blade variant, I think, was like a one in ten um, ratio. Um, so since there was a Blade variant, and obviously I know Wesley Snipes was in Blade, I just assumed he was in Blade. <laughs> Runner and Eddie just like completely rolled his eyes and quit talking to me after that <laughs> that comment. But, <laughs> but this book was actually um, originally kickstarted. They raised a hundred and forty two thousand dollars on Kickstarter, and um, it then got picked up by a brand new publishing company called Whatnot Publishing. And if that sounds familiar to you, that is um, because that is um, the, the startup publishing arm of the mobile app um, that is kind of like a, a seller's app. Um, so that particular uh, publishing company is brand new and they're starting to put uh, things out there. Uh, they're, they're, being received pretty lukewarm by people. I don't know what kind of um, cheese is behind that, but there's something there. <laughs> um, <Ooh>. uh, <laughs> uh, so, and if you haven't, if you did not support the Kickstarter and you haven't been to your LCS lately, you can actually go online um, to the whatnot um, website where they released a trailer for the story Featuring a voiceover by Wesley Snipes himself. So uh, the story is about a protagonist called Detective Niles Roach Washington. And um, I really uh, thought that there was a very strong uh, storyline underneath all the gobbledygook that that was the actual words. In the story. <laughs> so this is on my radar because um, it's on my radar. It's Wesley Snipes. We've been having people call about it. Uh, and I want to share it with those of you. And I want you guys who might be interested. I want you guys to read it and make your own opinion. But the 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 actual script, the word, the the uh, what do you call it? The the um, what do you call it when there's words in a book? <laughs> There you go, the dialogue. <laughs> right, right. Uh, my head, my mind, I'm the only one of us three that isn't sick, but apparently my mind is muddled. Um, it's Sunday, it's been a long weekend. But, um, yes, the dialogue was really choppy. Um, it, it really jumped from place to place to place and was kind of hard to uh, to follow. But the series was co-created. So even though I say it was written by him, it was definitely co-created by him and uh, Keith Aram and Adam Lawson. Um, and Adam Lawson is actually the primary writer. So I'm going to blame, I'm going to, I'm going to say that Wesley um, wrote all the good words. And then, <laughs> is the one to blame for the choppy dialogue um but uh there's something going on in this world uh, like i said um uh roach who is the he's a detective and he sees something that is really weird like 
it's almost like the um the scene in Blade Two where like they're at the at that phone party and everything happens and uh, there's no survivors. Well, <clears throat> that was kind of how it opened, where we see that Roach is somewhere where there's this big it's it's like um it's like a some sort of like cult that he is seen sacrifice somebody and then a bomb goes off everyone's dead except for him something happened he was there and he did not die so that happens he sees what he sees but people keep telling him no you know you you made it up you're seeing things your mind is playing tricks on you so but he knows that he saw something and then weird deaths start happening uh and so he is just constantly haunted by this thing and he is on a mission to prove that he saw what he saw and then basically figure out what happened so um the uh the book is already out it was released on february 8th uh and you probably can hit any lcs in your area and ask them for the exiled or just ask them for the wesley snipes book i'm sure that they have copies if not you can contact me because i have tons of copies (laughs) and i'm actually looking forward to maybe seeing um issue two uh evolve into a better product of somebody who has already written one issue and kind of got their footing into um into the script um i don't know if this lawson guy has written before but we all know that it does take some time for writers who come from other writing backgrounds to kind of get their footing when they start writing comics so um that is on my radar. Check it out. Um, I I <laughs> I described it as um, a book, a book that you definitely ex- would expect Wesley Snipes to write. Very nineties, <laughs> um, gratuitous yeah. violence, gratuitous gore, um, just very, and then big, muscly, uh, drawn men. So. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the exile. Welcome. Welcome to the 1990s. Yes. I love it. <laughs> All right, guys, it's that time again. Sick or not, it's one of my favorite times <laughs> on the podcast. We are La Hora de la Cervecita. Oh, yes. What are we drinking today, girls? What are we drinking? So today we are drinking something called Work-life balance, a barley wine ale. So work-life balance, uh, I guess, is is that the no fair state co-op? Hmm. Is this a co-op beer or what is this? It says fair state brewing co-op cooperative. Cooperative. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, um well, I'm going to read the little thing that it has on here on the can. Work-life balance. We all struggle with unplugging sometimes. Allow us to assist with this English-style barley wine ale. Notes of figs, raisins, toffee, and long weekends. And it has an ABV of 13%. I know how to pick them. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. It's it says you union made cooperatively owned. Yeah, so I was so gonna that's say that's very cool. interesting. That's the first time I've seen a 
brewing co-op instead of brewing company it's a brewing co-op and if you are familiar with co-ops it's usually um a entity a business that is cooperatively owned by its customers uh just like rei rei is a co-op um and so um and uh you might have a co-op in your neighborhood is a grocery store i know there's one in santa monica there was one uh in davis where i went to college so that's very interesting it says union may cooperatively owned um and so i'm a, i'm assuming that uh there is a uh a lot of um profit sharing and that kind of thing that goes on with this as well so um i don't know i love figs i i'm okay with raisins but figs and toffee do not sound like they mix well with for me. So I'm interested to see what the, uh, what this is going to taste like. And uh, I want it to taste like a fig Newton. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love fig Newtons. I do Those too. Those are my favorite. I remember as a kid, like. Those were like the snacks that like they would give us. And a lot of the other kids hated them. But I was just like, no, they're so good. And they were just like, you like old lady snacks. And I was just like, well, then give me your old lady snacks. <laughs> you know what? That is so funny. That's why I like them. Because my grandma would buy them all the time. And she loved them because she loved figs. Yeah. She, my grandmother is a big, was a big fig eater um and so i learned uh to love figs and um eat fig newtons from her and you're right kids didn't want them they wanted oreos or yeah. vanilla wafers or whatever and um they would always bypass the fig newtons yeah no i would like uh, i would like take the other kids fig newtons because they didn't want them so i ate them that's funny all right, so barley wine. I don't know what barley wine is. I'm going to Google that right now. But um, a little bit spilled on my hand, and I licked it. Yeah, I know. And I was like, um, I am not sure what this is supposed to taste like, but uh, it was very strong. Whatever it, it, the taste was was very strong. <laughs> yes, and they're located in Minneapolis. I did not know that. Just thought I'd share that Fair State Brewing Co-op. Well, it has a very low carbonation. Despite its name, a barley wine is very much a beer, albeit a very strong and often intense beer, which is exactly what I just told you from the little drop that I licked off my hand. <laughs> um, it's one of the strongest of the beer styles. Uh, lively uh, and fruity, sometimes sweet, sometimes bittersweet, but always a very, very alcoholic. <laughs> This looks, well, yeah, this looks like either a wine or like it could be a porter or a stout. Oh, my God. It looks like motor oil. Yeah. <laughs> it poured like it, too. Very viscous. Wow. Viscous. Okay, so um, that's funny because barley wine, when I saw that, I also was like, oh, it's some kind of wine infused or beer. Yeah, wine infused beer. But nope, that's not it's, the case It's at all. beer. And it's it does smell. It smells... Oh God, what is it? It does smell like, like fruity, but not like, not like a hop or like a hoppy IPA is fruity. It smells mm -hmm. almost like mulled wine, I want to say. Oh my God, mulled wine. I had mulled wine for Christmas for the first time in my life it's this so Christmas good. and I will never not have mulled wine for Christmas again in my life. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, so good. And this is kind of what that smells like. 
Because it doesn't, I almost want to say it smells like a porter or a stout, but that's not correct. That's not, it doesn't smell like chocolatey to me. Or coffee-ish. Definitely has a lot, um, it leans a lot towards figs, I believe, and a little bit of, (laughs) right? But it's really smooth. I mean, I don't know if it's because my taste buds are weird because I'm sick, but I'm really, really enjoying this. I mean, there's a definitely like a like a sweet. Oh my finish, god! And it's very, very fig, or fig driven. Yes, but it's really smooth and delicious. I mean, I don't miss the carbonation on this at all. I'm the jury is out for me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about this beer. I actually got this beer at 310, a liquor store. They reopened. It's a soft oh, opening nice. since okay. they're still trying to, you know, form the car accident yeah. of that woman plowing her car into the side of their Kobe oh, I know. mural. And they spent so much money on that mural. I only know this because mm-hmm. he was complaining about how much money he spent on that mural. Uh, one day when I was in there looking at stuff, he was complaining to a customer. <laughs> About how much money he spent. Before complaining, look what happened. Yep. <laughs> ya ves, ya ves lo que te pasa. Ya ves lo que te pasa That's por abrir el hocico. That's why you internalize those thoughts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so I went into 310 and um, I saw this. It's a, They sell them in a four pack. And the thing that struck me about this can is the small can. It's not the tall can. And it was $20 for four pack. Holy cow. Now the thing. Yeah, I know. But what struck me was, you know how like every can, any any pack of can comes with that plastic mm-hmm. holder to hold all the cans? This one was made out of cardboard. Oh. Like a cardboard. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Just because you made a smaller imprint on, you know, the earth, I'm going to buy this $20 beer because I'm like, you know what? I appreciate you going out of your way to like not create more, you know, waste um, by like putting your beer in those like plastic ones. That is such a California thing to do. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> like I understand now what people mean because the other day I was like, I was like, I never thought I would go like vegan or vegetarian. But now I have willingly cut off meat from my diet. And I was just all like, fuck it, whatever. Like, I I felt, I just, one day I was just like thinking about like meat. And I was just like, you know what? I feel bad. (laughs) Like this actually actively makes me feel bad. And I was just like, no, somebody from Texas doesn't feel bad. Someone from like the Midwest doesn't feel bad. I'm just like, this is so Californian of me. And I was just like, fuck it, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? The next thing that got to me was it's the can art is so like, it's just shapes. um, And it looks almost like 1980s kind of shapes. But it said work-life balance. Excuse me. And at that point when I was purchasing this beer, I was actually picking up work, hadn't taken my lunch. So I said, you know, between picking up to the other location, I'm just going to stop by 310. And it just struck me. It's and it was sign. just a serendipitous moment. <laughs> yes, it's a sign. Let's buy this overpriced beer. Oh, shit, barley wine? Okay, let's do this. Let me tell you, I am not disappointed. I'm so glad I got this beer. Like, it's really, it's so smooth that if I had the four-pack, I think I would be in trouble. I'm in trouble with three sips. I'm not even lying. It is so, it's like burning my throat. 
<laughs> not in a bad way, but like it's it's no guessing that this is a high alcohol by volume drink. Mm-hmm. It is my whole entire body is warm from the three sets yes. that I had, and I can already feel kind of like no, I, no, I don't feel drunk, I don't feel loopy or whatever, but I can feel the effects of the high volume of alcohol ABV, that is in yeah. this drink. So this is definitely not that's why it's year. $20. <laughs> there you go. Now you know why it's $20. It's a 13% ABV. Like wine is wine is anywhere from like 12 to 15. Mm. Yeah. Like this is, yeah, this is wine basically. <laughs> yeah. But it's so smooth and so flavorful that I would prefer this over wine. Oh yeah. I would almost say maybe a dessert wine. I don't know. Like, I think this is a dessert beer. Like I feel like you could have like, you know, like, um, vanilla ice cream with. This, oh yeah. Like that a is an excellent idea. And you know what? I'm going to save the rest of this to eat later with ice cream. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what really strikes me of this one? You do not have to serve it cold. And I think as a temperature kind of becomes room temperature, it's equally as good and has different flavor notes. So I am really quite impressed, and especially learning here with you girls, that it's a co-op. Um, I did not read that beforehand when I got it. Um, but you know what? I really feel this like work life balance. It's a Sunday, it's Super Bowl Sunday. And I feel like this is like a, the working class kind of beer. Like, you know, you just sit like on a Friday and just sip this while watching SVU. I just love it. The working class will beg to differ at $20 for four cans. <laughs> if you buy the four if you buy the four cans, you basically don't have to buy anything at all. Like you're pretty much set. Yeah. You probably even have two left over for the next Saturday or whatever. <laughs> but I, I are we ready to actually rate the beer? Yes. Yeah. So And is this the first barley wine we've had on the show? I don't remember having any I think so. I've never wine. had anything like this. I didn't even I've heard the term barley wine, but I had no idea it was actually beer um, and had never actually had one before. So um, so I, th- I do think it's the first time. Uh, so our rating scale is a uh, five-point scale with a, a point, a zero point and a six point on the either end. If we rate a beer zero out of uh, five, it is uh, flaccid. If it is a one out of five, that's very unsatisfied. Two out of five is unsatisfied. Three out of five is neutral. Four out of five is satisfied. And a five out of five is very satisfied with a six out of five being a super saiyan. So um, I am going to go ahead and get started. This is Kristen. And I'm going to give it a four out of five. Um I am still, like I said, the jury is out for me on the taste. It just, there's something about it that I want to taste the fig. I want to like it, but it's just very strong for me. And I don't, I don't know, by the end of this one can, I'll be like, this is the best beer ever. (laughs) (laughs) But for right now, just the, the, and it's strong in a different way than like an IPA hops taste. Yes. So, mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I've never had barley wine ale before. Um, and it is very much, even though it is a beer because the way that it's made and brewed, um, it doesn't taste like beer to me. So that also threw me all off. So I'm going to give it a four out of five. Cool. That's fair. I, 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 I think that's fair. I think, however, I do feel like this is a celebratory beer that you have after running 20 miles. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think I think maybe like give it another four more sips and you're going to be right there. <laughs> this is Sarah. And um, like I said, I don't know if it's because I'm sick or whatever, but for me, it tastes so smooth. I can feel all the flavors. They're not as intense, probably because I'm I'm sick. But I'm loving this beer and I'm loving this 13%. And I love the fact that it's kind of like, hey, you working there, you worked a Saturday this week. So that meant you you worked six days a week this week. Hey, I see you. Enjoy me. Like I'm feeling this beer. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm going to give this a Super Saiyan. Oh, I'm wow. really happy with this. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, Very I'm really nice. happy with this. Um, I'm, I'm Jen. Uh, and I'm right there with you, Sarah. I'm like, I'm honestly stuck between like, a super saiyan and like a five out of five actually you know what if i'm stuck that just means it's a five out of five because if it's a super (laughs) saiyan it's a super saiyan like it's immediately like oh my god and there was a bit of that oh my god factor to this um um, because it's so unique and i think it's really really interesting um um, but there's um, um there is something that just doesn't shoot it up all the way to a Super Saiyan for me, and I can't quite pin it down. But it is, to me, I think it tastes really, really good. The you, the taste is absolutely unique. Um, um, I think it tastes really good. It's very strong. Um, and it's, I definitely do recommend it to anybody. I think uh, maybe that's why, that's what is stopping me from saying it's a Super Saiyan, is because I also think it's not something that everybody will like, because there are some people that don't like wine, or that don't like, you know, porters and stouts and stuff like that due to, like, texture or to, like, flavor profile and stuff like that. So I just know that this isn't, this probably isn't going to be everybody's cup of tea because it is very, very unique. And Kristen is making a face right now just proving that. So <laughs> I tried I it un- again and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe my taste buds are off. It's just, I can't, I can't find all the flavors in there that I want to find. Oh, Actually, no, I can, there's some toffee that I, I am tasting mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely, um, um, I think you should, it should be definitely be tried out just for the uniqueness factor and for the fact that it's 13% ABV at some point, <laughs> it's going to matter. It doesn't matter how it tastes like it matters is that it makes you feel good. Um, um, so That's it's going to be a five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> All my late night escapades. <laughs> I'm going to ask to pull the jury on this and request that Eddie give it a sip. Oh, yeah. He did take it. Do you like it, Eddie? Yes. He said yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See? But he loves okay, it. And maybe that's why I don't like it, it as much as you both do, because you both are porter and stout lovers, and so is he. And yes, it's very much right. like that flavor profile. And yeah. so, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like someone took the flavor profile of a porter and stout and like flipped it because instead of like coffee or chocolate, it's fruits. That was our beer review. All right, guys, now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today, ladies? So today we are reviewing season of the Bruja 
by Erin Duran and Sarah Soleil and published by Oni Press. So I'm going to read the little synopsis that they have here in the back. And it is, from the time she was young, Atalia's abuela Isadora taught her about their culture. There was music, there was food, there was history, and then there was magic. Athalia comes from a long line of brujas tracing back to a time long before the conquistadors invaded Mexico. Along with her two companions, Dana, a coyote, and Chuy, a chupacabra, Athalia uses her abuela's training to help and protect others from all manner of spirits, demons, and hell beasts. However, the real enemy is very human and very near, watching from afar, shrouded in holy cloth. Altaliac encounters her most dangerous enemy yet in the form of a priest and his cardinal, who both seek one thing, the destruction of every bruja on earth. Well, dude, I just got to say, man, this book is really amazing. The cover is outstanding. It has these beautiful flowers, and they almost look like they, they have like this like this glow coming from within. And it's just really amazing. I completely love the art. The art was superb i just could i just couldn't get enough just started reading it and i was just like wow this is so this is like it's talking about witches and of course you know uh, catholicism and stuff like that the persecution of witches and stuff but it has a brand new twist with like alibrijes and chupacabras and conchas <laughs> y sopita de estrellas con fideo y Y, y chicken. chicken. So I'm just, I just loved it. Y chicken, ¿verdad? Y pollo, hombre. But uh, um, no, I mean, I really loved it. And um, just, I thought it was really well paced. Again, I'm a big fan of people who take the time to have the letter, like, represent every dialogue differently. And especially when there's monologue between, like, especially because these people can hear not only hear like from your ears, but they can hear you telepathically. Like, so there's different thought bubbles for that with different colors and stuff. So that is, I really appreciate that because sometimes I can lose, lose myself just being like, who's talking? <laughs> who's saying this? Who's, mm-hmm. who, you know, but no, I thought it was really great. What about you guys? What did you guys think? Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed, I mean, I'm like the myth girl, like, Anything that has to do with mythology or, like, legends and urban folktales and stuff like that, I'm all about it and, like, readaptations and reinterpretations of them. And this is pretty much what that is. It's um, uh, um, uh, taking stuff that we have kind of, like, already known and kind of uh, making it into, a, like, an urban fantasy setting. Um, um, and it's a uh, it, – I really enjoyed reading it. I think it was a lot of fun. And it was uh, also, like – very heartfelt too. Um, I definitely agree. I really enjoyed the story. I um, uh, really appreciated all the like little cultural things that I uh, that I identified with. Um, as soon as I read the word fideo, I was like, oh my gosh! It took me to a time when I was a kid and my grandmother would make fideo all the time, and my best friend would come and visit and. Um, and she would eat it and I would tell, we would tell her, well, she'd ask what it is and we'd say it's video. And she liked it so much. She talked me into having my grandmother make video for our cultural uh, food, um, 
what do you call it? Not banquet, like um, festival. I guess at at school, like when you come and you do um, a uh, yeah, like cultural share, um, and everybody brings food from their uh, their own um, culture that they eat at home. And fideo was my thing, and oh my gosh. Uh, everyone just loved it. And I was so proud of, uh, and it's so easy when you really look at it now as an adult, I, I see them making fideo on TikTok all the time. <laughs> but anyway, those kinds of things really, um, I, I really identified with when the, when, the, when the grandma had her chancla off, when she was gonna throw it at the priest. Um, yeah. and honestly, I have to say that this book, gave me such bad vibes for religion um more so than i already did oh yes um and obviously we all know our history we all know the history of the catholic church uh and um their role in uh colonizing um south america and so i just but the way that it was portrayed in this book was just like so raw and so just like in your face um and these the cardinal and the freaking priest like literally like planning to kill people was just like it, it i i got so angry i got angry all over again for our ancestors <laughs> Right. And then uh, I'm sorry to cut you off, but also like the scene where they were at the museum, the grandma was like, take me to the museum. She's like, I want to go, grandma. And she's like, no, but I I want you to take me. And then she's like, well, it's just, you know, I feel so triggered. Like, you know, this is this is not like hailing our our culture and celebrating it. This is the colonizers like of our our stolen treasures. Mm -hmm. And like you feel that all over again. It's like I totally get it. And then for them to like, it just irks me like reading the name Cortes and I'm just like, oh, you know, <laughs> so I think they got the proper emotion out of us reading mm-hmm. this. And I thought that was so clever. And it was really interesting to me, too, because I was reading the back matter and um, the illustrator, uh, Sarah Soler, is Spanish. Whoa. And the publishing company brought her to Aaron, the writer, as uh, a proposed uh, illustrator for this book, and she was very, very wary about it because obviously she read the script and everything, and she was very like she she wanted to make sure that she wasn't imposing or like um, giving uh, uh, a bad rap to his work. So um, they they worked it out and talked in the back about, you know, how, how they did that and stuff like that. But I just felt that that was like super interesting detail to behind the scenes, mm-hmm. um, especially given what Aaron writes in the story. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's, um, um, I mean, there could be like some criticism, stuff like that. But I mean, her artwork is really, really good. So mm-hmm. you know what? <laughs> She's allowed in. um um, but no really like the artwork is absolutely phenomenal and i really love her style too i mean it's still it's very um uh, kind of being puppy cat um Mm, um, mm -hmm. very uh kind of that new wave of art style very cal art um um, to those that who know they're basically all kind of like the new cartoons that are coming out and stuff like that. Uh, it's very much that style. 
Although it's not even, I'm thinking like, how long has like Steven Universe been out now? Because like to me that that is like the 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 first wave of that art style yeah. is like Steven Universe. That's what I thought of when you said being puppycat. So I'm like trying to like, when did Steven Universe come out? It's like been at least like a couple of years now. So oh, it's not it's, even that. Yeah, Steven Universe, uh, the TV show. Yeah. Jeez, because that I was like. In UCLA, I think when it came when it came out, I think, yeah, I I don't know. So it was like oh, I want to say like 2014 ish. Really? It's been a wow. while. Okay, maybe it might be later. <laughs> it might be 2015. It was 2013. You were very close. Oh shit! Well, it, damn. It premiered yeah. November 4th, 2013, on the Cartoon Network. Yeah. Okay. I was just, I was like twenty like like around that in twenty thirteen yeah that makes sense because twenty thirteen I was uh oh no I wasn't in UCLA yet in twenty fourteen I think I was at UCLA towards the end of the year oh who knows anyways so it's not a new style anymore basically I think they're actually like art and animation is now going in a different direction which isn't bad um uh, too but I still like to me in my mind it's still like new. When that's not the case. Ah! The progression of time. <laughs> Anyways. It was a really good read. I think it did a really good job. I, I am with you about all the religion stuff too. I mean, I've I've already been on uh, my... The Catholic Church is uh, evil and awful um, um, terrain before. Um, so that's just more of that. I, I, I got... it Ironically... There was the were coyote, the chupacabra, um, the witches, but I got the cult vibe from mm-hmm. from the priest and the cardinal. So it's just um, very yeah. It it was just very uh, like I don't know what the word I want to say, but like I was getting angry as I was reading the book. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, but I really like uh, also the relationship between um Athalia and her grandmother mm-hmm. um I don't want to give a spoiler but there's definitely a situation that happens where they're separated and just how that affects uh Athalia and um how she deals with that was very very uh well done and very uh it it evoked a lot of emotion from me so um I really uh, enjoyed that. One thing that was kind of confusing um, was that as the story progressed, after like a certain page, the priest didn't have any tattoos on his hands anymore. Uh, and I was like, what happened? Did I miss that? And I kind of went back and I was like, okay, he has tattoos here on his arms and fingers and hands. And then in all, in a whole bunch of panels, he didn't have any. And then all of a sudden he had some again. So was that some kind of story issue that I missed? <laughs> it could have been they either forgot or he has the ability to like hide them or conceal them. Maybe because in the beginning, even he has gloves on. Right. When he's in the museum. Mm-hmm. And I just assumed that was to hide that. So anyhow, I definitely think that he self-flagellates. Is that the word? Flagellate? <laughs> Not flatulate. I know. I, just, flagellate. I thought you said flatulate. <laughs> 
Yes, definitely. I feel that. I know. I get that energy. Specifically, it made me mad when the people were like coming up to him and like, oh, you know, este, Pasco, uh, peace be with you and also with you. And and he was just so arrogant amongst the people yeah. that he should be yeah. like helping. And he's like, can you pray for my son? No, I will not. He chose his path. We both, you know, like that was one of the things that I was like, is he really a priest right? or is he just in costume to like get done what he needs to get done? Because people will let him in to give him access to places because he's a quote unquote priest. priest. Like, uh, yeah, give, given that that's how he was acting. I was like, is he really a priest? <laughs> I get it, dude. Yeah. And I like to also add that at the end of the book. Um, if you read the back matter, there's actually the recipe for la sopa con estrellas y pollo. Yes. And I like that they said that every family has their own yeah. way of making it, but this was like his way. So my grandma would, well, she did fideo with the little noodles, the the vermicelli, uh -huh. but she also did the alphabet. Yes. That was my favorite the alphabet, alphabet soup mm -hmm. that one's the one for me yeah <laughs> yeah my mom made la sopa but she didn't put uh, el pollo she didn't put the chicken um yeah we didn't mm -hmm. do chicken either we did eggs Ooh, oh nice that's interesting yeah sometimes i still make it <laughs> um sounds good but we didn't uh she would whatever was like it was estrellitas conchitas um alphabet the little or, one not the big ones yeah yes. yeah yeah of course <laughs> but no i mean now i want to go and make it like i just feel like con un, uh, it, it una tortilla and you roll it up to kind of be like the like the companion to la sopita anyway so mm -hmm. i mean i absolutely love this book i i can't wait to read what's next because it really it's so colorful and then it just there's a lot of parts where they're kind of teaching you and there's some Spanish words. And like, I think that overall it's, it's really a really good book to read. I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, like we said, it evoked a lot of emotion, a lot of Catholic um, hate, um, some kind of nostalgia for home cooked meals with our grandmother and like companionships, like with them, you know, just even the scene in the police station where, the detective was trying to help them out and she's like, well, why are you trying to help us out? She's like, well, you know, my, my family comes from Mexico. I can't remember what town, but I thought that was really symbolic too. So uh, are we ready to actually rate the book? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go first. I'm going to give it tres conchas. This is really great. I really love the pacing. I love the character development. There's some, a lot of questions that I'm sure will be answered in, in the progression of the story but what i have here is really amazing i really really loved it um and then i'm not gonna say anything but there's a another two characters from history and magic and folklore that appear in this story that i can't wait to hear more about so tres conchas for me this is sarah <laughs> uh, this is Kristen. I'm also going to give it three conchas. Um, I really enjoyed it. I had heard about this story um, when it first was supposed to come out and you read in the back matter that um, it was way back in 2020 when uh, they were working on it. And then obviously all of that craziness happened and things did not um, go uh, the way that 
people wanted them. Um, so, uh, in fact, there's a part where Sarah says that um, during 2020, there the whole team thought that perhaps the project um, was just going to end at any time and, and that the situation was just very uncertain. Um, it did take a long time for it to come out, though, because um, I remember seeing the first issue uh, and then not anything for a really long time. And then... Um, after months, I saw them again, but the unfortunately, with the way the comic book industry works, the momentum was already lost and nobody was ordering it anymore. So when the trade came out, I made sure to order them because the story itself sounded so interesting. Um, and so I'm glad that um, it they did stick with it. And actually, um, this is published by the uh, Lion Forge imprint of Oni, which we all... Um, have uh, a lot of experience with books that we really enjoy so um, I give it three conchas this is Jen and that had been one of my questions I was wondering because I was when I looked at it at the front it didn't say if it had been in single issues I thought it was a straight to paperback um uh, kind of thing mm. but then it wouldn't have had like the chapter and cover titles yeah, so yeah. I was just unsure um uh, but yeah no Lion Forge is like kind of they're like YA Mm-hmm. imprint yeah uh but it's like really good and they uh whoever is the head of lion forge definitely has an eye for talent and for stories because this is really good um uh i i barely have any complaints about um uh, any of the lion forge books that get printed um um they're all or published whichever one um um they're all really good so i'm gonna give it also tres conchas it was a really good story and i really enjoyed it awesome so that has been our book review All right, guys, it's now time for El Alibreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? So today I have La Lechuza. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, Lechuza is a proof of concept horror film. It is a short horror film revolving around La Lechuza, a vengeful witch of Latin American folklore. I mean, most of us who know um, uh, Spanish or have heard of it have heard of a Lechuza. Um, uh, but isn't uh, also like lechuza another word for owl? Yes. 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 Um, uh, so if you've heard lechuza as a witch, then you know, but there's also lechuza as the word for an owl. Um, uh, but I'm going to read a bit of the story synopsis that they have right here, uh, or their um, uh, campaign pitch. It says, our plan is to use this as a proof of concept short film. It will be made to work on its own and we will take its financiers, producers, and some festivals to try to get funding for the feature film version combined our three producers have five feature films produced uh, 11 shorts and two miniseries we need you to be a part of this so join the team and this is the director statement more than any other script i have written lechusa is deeply personal i remember with absolute clarity the first time in my life i realized i knew exactly what i wanted to do i remember the first time in my life when i felt a sense of purpose that time was immediately after the final shot of guillermo del toro's pan's labyrinth i was 14 and my grandfather had just died and i needed some time to process instead of staying at home with my family my dad and i drove around town for a bit and ended up at a rundown movie theater he thought it would be a nice bonding experience the screen faded the curtains went up and people slowly began to ooze out of the theater my father leaned over to me to ask me what I thought. I was in stunned silence. I realized I had stories to tell. In these stories, I can reshape my broken family into whatever I wanted. 
My characters are all dealing with their own family trauma through cathartic horror and get to learn about themselves in the process. I want to bring in my own Mexican culture's take on this theme and tell our stories about life, death in meaningful ways. I can bring that perspective and I think this is the right space to do it in. Maybe someday I can help somebody else deal with their trauma the way these filmmakers help me deal with mine. Um, and then he breaks down like the story um, uh, like into like a full film synopsis, the part one of um, uh, the short film concept and a part two. Uh, and uh, he has like kind of the, the music, who's doing the music. Uh, an explanation of the of the lechusa like background shots into it looks like it's going to be practical um uh, effects so they're like they're building a mask of the lechusa that they're gonna um uh, put on the film the cast is um uh, i think they're all they're all latinas uh, and the crew, uh, the writer-director is Miguel Martinez, the producer is Valerie Frederick, and the produ other producer is Sam Jimenez. And then they break down more of the crew, the location where it's going to be shot. Uh, it's very, very detailed, very, very uh, interesting as well. They have a goal of $10,000, and they are currently at 1166 with 29 backers and 38 days to go. So you can always pledge without a reward. You just want to support. But the base pledge starts at $5. Uh, and this is like, you receive a special thanks in the credits. Um, uh, and like, it's it's so, so easy to like, just be like, here's five bucks, like go at it. And you will be like recognized in the credits. At $15, you get uh, the early digital cut of the short film emailed to you before its festival run. <clears throat> and then at $25, you get a signed Lechusa collectible postcard. And then at $50, you get to have a Zoom Q&A with the writer and director, as well as all the previous rewards. And then at $150, you get a limited edition DVD special features um, uh, copy, which is really, really, really cool. Uh, and then it keeps increasing from there. Um, um, some of the, like, Expensive ones have already been taken up, uh, which is like the associate producer credit. Um, um, and I believe the be in the film. You could like be in the film as well. Yeah. Uh, and then there's an option of having being an executive producer with credit and company credit as well. But that one is the $10,000 goal. So we'll see. <laughs> um, Let me just write a check. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're a horror um, uh, person, I think this is right up your alley. You can get really, really involved with something that seems very personal, but also kind of like, you know, get like to know how, get that Q&A, um, um, to see like how you can like do a short film too it, it seems really really cool so it is lechuza l-e-c-h-u-z-a uh a proof of concept horror film on kickstarter that sounds freaking awesome i think it sounds amazing and i'm glad you hopefully we can get we can help to get this project funded for sure all right guys it's now time for juntos y fuertes Kristen. what do you have for us today 
Well, today in Juntos y Fuertes, which is our segment where we highlight projects that we think are uh, important to uh, get the word out about, um, I have for you a, co a project called Comics Appreciation Project. Uh, and you can find them at comicsappreciationproject.com. They are a nonprofit uh, organization that created that's created to share their passion for comics. Their mission is to foster an appreciation for the breadth, quality, and legitimacy of comic books and graphic storytelling to both the public at large and specifically to the next generation of would-be consumers and creators. In order to pursue that mission, com uh, Comics Appreciation Project develops literacy engagement programs, organizes academic presentations, facilitates classes, distributes scholarships, and communicates with industry professionals, um, promoting publications and creating marketing material for the direct market, bookstores, and libraries. So um, they are located in uh, the northwestern, west central area of Georgia. So people be reading comics over in, in the south in Georgia. <laughs> yes. So if you are uh, local to them, maybe you can go in and um, volunteer. But if not, they have um, a donate button on the website at Comics Appreciation Project appreciationproject.com where you can donate to them through PayPal um, and you can find out all about their programs um, where um, they actually offer uh, community engagement so um, and the scholarships um, are to provide a memorial academic scholarship for up-and-coming creators. So if you're an up-and-coming creator, you can also reach out to them um, and see how they can possibly help you. That is so cool. So, like, their focus on their scholarships is to creators. Uh -huh. That is really cool. That is amazing. I feel like what any project is trying to promote literacy and spot um supplying scholarships i think that's amazing so thank you so much for uh, bringing that up today all right guys it's now time for saludos and i have a saludos today dear and very very near to my heart i'd like to today empezar los saludos con at guzman underscore manny Again, that's at Guzman underscore Danny. Danny, I mean, Ma Manny. I'm sorry, Manny. Oh, my God. This beer, this, beer, uh, this work-life balance has really, really messed Manny. me up. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, Manny. Guzman underscore Manny. Thank you so much for interacting with us on Instagram. Really appreciate it. I really appreciate the feedback. Um, sorry. <laughs> sorry we're sick. But... We do it out of the bottom of our hearts to bring a podcast episode, but I really want to thank you for listening and for letting us know, hey, this is not okay. <laughs> but also, mostly, thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate that. Really want to thank you for reaching out to us. I really, really appreciate that. And saludos goes out to you, my friend. Thank you so much for listening to us. And um, I can't thank you enough for your support. So, want to thank you for that. Any more saludos, ladies? Yes, I have a saludos. Um, we are saludando, uh, let's see, what's this chick's name? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it down, but I dropped my book while we were waiting. Uh, okay. 
Here we go. We are giving saludos to Veronique Medrano. She just finished her first comic script for Chispa, yes, Chispa Comics. Uh, and she um, is going to be, or she is, she's written um, Dragon Thrall, oh. which is going to be debuting at San Diego Comic-Con this year. And is, That's right, um, I saw that. If you don't remember, Chispa um, is the imprint that uh, Mucho Mas Media and Scout Comics teamed together with uh, with them to create a new superhero universe featuring Latinx characters and creatives behind the scene. So um, they do have... A, a list of titles that are going to be debuting this coming year, but I definitely wanted to give uh, saludos to Veronique Medrano for finishing her very first comic script that is going to be debuting at San Diego Comic-Con. I saw that. Congratulations. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to meet you at San Diego Comic-Con. Hopefully we can do a little interview on the spot. So congratulations. And I can't wait to read your script can't wait to see the comic at San Diego Comic-Con. Saludos goes out to you. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us, girls? You can find us at uh, commodicycomics.com, where you can find all the links to our socials on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube. We have a YouTube channel where you can see our, um, our interviews with creators called um, Las Platicas. And uh, we also have a TikTok. There's all kinds of ways that you can interact with us. You can always email us at comics at gmail.com. That's right. All right, guys. So this is the end of our episode. We have your host. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Goodbye. And thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. And that's on period. Network.